Hey, this is Brother Todd Fitka. I wanted to uh, talk to you today and just, you know, as we get on the, the podcast and everything, I wanted to have a, a kind of a conversation about uh, the modern-day holiness movement and, and Christianity. Um, I was talking to my wife earlier, you know, and, and we were talking about how, uh, you know, the modern-day holiness movement is... Uh, it's been growing, and, and there's a lot of good things coming out of it. But um, let me say this, and I, I want you to understand something. You know, and I was telling my wife this. One of the big problems with the modern-day holiness movement in Christianity is that it's not very holy. And um, uh, the reason I'm saying this is because when I was a young man, we um, we became Christians and started serving the Lord, and it seemed like... There were people in what modern day the modern day holiness movement would call liberals that were just as holy as the modern day holiness movement. And the reason that I'm saying this is because there's this movement that has been growing in Christendom that has been requiring holiness for salvation, as if holiness is a requirement, or your own holiness is a requirement. And uh, um it's bothersome because of the effects, what it does to Christianity, what it does to the soul, and what it does to um, uh, society in general. And I know I'm going to get feedback from this if people hear it, but but I want to take you to a verse in Philippians chapter 3 first, and then we'll go back to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 afterwards. But go to Philippians chapter 3. I want you to see something that the Apostle Paul says about uh, holiness or righteousness uh, as he um, basically has this conversations. He says uh, in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And it seems to me that there's a lot of people in modern-day Christendom that are uh, trying to prove their holiness by, or trying to prove their salvation by their holiness instead of trying to lean on the righteousness of God. And uh, there's a reason why I'm, I'm addressing this, and, uh, and, and here's the reason why. It, it appears to me that a lot of people struggle with the assurance of their salvation um, over this issue. Um, let me tell you something, my friend. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're lost, you're lost. Uh, that's all there is to it. If you're depending on your own holiness for your salvation, you're lost. Um, that's all there is to it. There's no way that you can possibly be holy enough. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So that being said, before we get started in our text, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And if you're listening along and studying, 
uh, take your Bible and turn there, would you? First uh, Corinthians chapter two, and and we're gonna uh, read verses one through uh, uh, probably about um, verse six, and then we're gonna discuss those verses. He says, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not." to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, but nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now listen, the reason that I said this is because Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and, and the Corinthian church, yes, they had a lot of problems. Um, but Paul is mentioning the fact that when he came to the church of Corinth, that he purposely knew nothing except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Um, that being said... Um, it is faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and what Christ did on the cross that saves us from our sin. Um, Paul and his intention, his motivation as he preached to the Corinthian church was to preach the gospel to make sure that they got saved. Oftentimes what we do is we, we, uh, we take our holiness doctrine, and everybody's got one, some form of a holiness doctrine, and we make it the requirement for salvation. Um, let me say this today, that if you're required to be holy to be saved, you're not saved. Um, if holiness is not the product of salvation, but the means to salvation, then what you're depending on is your works, and that's not good. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by His Mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I said all this to say that the modern-day Christendom and this new holiness movement there it is uh, that is coming about and, and growing in more popularity is becoming a serious problem in Christendom because it's almost as if um, we're walking backwards away from the cross. And, and let me say this, I, I, uh, I mean this with all sincerity. As I say this, I've seen it a lot where men will um, start looking at the, the old school preachers and the old school teachers and say, we need to get back to what they were teaching. What they were teaching was right and what they were teaching was good and, and, uh, and we need to get back to them. I know one holiness preacher that he was an Armenian, and um, and he um, he would always debate me over eternal security, and he would debate me over salvation. and And one day, uh, we had when we began our church, a good friend of ours had invited him to church, and and uh, he told a friend of mine, he said, you know, he said, um, I can't come to church because I've started going to the Catholic church. And uh, my friend David says to him, he says, well, why did you do that? And he says, well, I started studying the, the, um, the writings of the, the fathers and, and uh, the traditional writings and, and realized that they were Catholic. And uh, let me say that 
that that is not uh, a legitimate reason to go to the Catholic Church. Uh, that is not a legitimate reason to go to a church at all. Uh, Protestantism, modern-day Protestantism, is uh, uh, they're worshiping men like Charles Finney or they're worshiping men like Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And depending on what side of the fence they sit, you know, George Whitfield or uh, or John Wesley or Jonathan Edwards, and um, what they're doing is they're following their doctrine. And while on one hand some of those men had some good doctrine in one area, uh, the reality is is they're following them in their mistakes also. And can I tell you this today that you should never deviate from the Word of God to follow a man in his theology. Um, that's how people go astray. Uh, Protestantism is imitating uh, Catholicism. They are imitating Catholicism in that they are duplicating uh, the works of a godly man. And when you do that, uh, you yes, you produce a lot of the same good uh, uh, responses that that man had, but at the same in the same token, you you tend to pick up a lot of their bad doctrine too, and uh, and so we got to be cautious. You know, Paul is very clear. He says in verse one and two, he says, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with an excellency of speech, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." Um, you know, it's important that we. After we uh, get salvation, we begin to learn godly doctrine and grow in Christ and become holy. But before you get saved, the focus should be on getting saved and believing the gospel. And what we've done is we've built a, a, a salvation doctrine that is confusing to many people. I had a, a Muslim, young Muslim man that I was speaking to a couple weeks ago, and and uh, he says to me a while back, he says, he says, what, why is the, the uh, crucifixion of Christ so important? And I said, well, it's as simple as this. I said, one, God requires holiness in the inward man. Two, you're not holy enough. Three, Jesus loves you. And we, I feel like modern-day Christianity has somehow lost our focus we've lost our our zealousness we've lost our fire in that we have begun to to preach a holiness doctrine without the blood of Christ um, we've we've made everything else the major and made the blood of Christ the minor and when you do that what you end up with is is uh, dead religion you end up with people who are expecting people to to live a holy and righteous life without a genuine salvation uh, let me say this that you cannot possibly be holy without being saved you can pretend to be holy <clears throat> you can be holy in the eyes of men but God desires genuine holiness and genuine intimacy and that's intimacy that you only have when you have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ Paul's first priority to the Corinthian church was to preach 
uh, Christ and Him crucified. And that should be our first priority as Christians. As we uh, tell others about Jesus, it should be about Jesus Christ and the cross. Let me say this. Uh, let's go back to chapter 1. I want you to see this. Paul says, For the preaching of the cross is to them, to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. You know, I heard uh, somebody take this text and prove that you needed to preach the law in order to save men. And, and I agree, you know, you do need to preach the law in order to show men uh, their lost state. But at the end of the day, if you're preaching the law and you're not preaching the cross, what are you doing to help somebody? How are you helping them? What is, uh, what is your, your goal? Is your goal to just make them better? You know, I've watched in the last 20, 30 years as men, I've been saved for about 30 years, and I, as men have decided that, that they needed to uh, emphasize creation more, or they needed to uh, emphasize the law more, or they needed to emphasize this or that in order to preach the gospel. And I've watched as, as things that we don't consent to and things that we don't believe and things that we do not endorse have become more and more popular in society and I think the reason is is because people are hearing their theology and hearing what they believe but they're not getting saved see there's no salvation without the cross and the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God you know, many people in churches that are saved and baby Christians are struggling with sin. And the reason is, is because they're not hearing the preaching of the cross. They're he hearing the preaching of everything else instead of the preaching of the cross. And it's the preaching of the cross that is the power, gives them the power and the ability to separate from sin. Because as they look at the goodness of God and the mercy of God, it, uh, it gives them the ability, the strength to have a godly sorrow that they can repent from sin. Um, we've made a mistake. We've put aside the cross for the preaching of other things. There's a famous preacher, or actually scientist, I guess, who, uh, who says that the foundation of our preaching is, is creation, and um, I know where he's coming from. I uh, understand what he's saying. But the foundation of our preaching, from what the Scripture says, is the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look down in, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. You'll notice uh, uh, verse, uh, let's go to verse 10. The Bible says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know, men spend all their effort trying to teach you creation in hopes that you're going to get saved. And then they attempt to preach the cross, but they don't preach a genuine cross. Or if they do, it's, it's well after you've accepted the doctrines of creation, but haven't accepted the, the doctrines of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And can I tell you, all the knowledge of creation... All the knowledge of, of an intelligent designer is not going to save your soul if you will not believe the cross. If you refuse, if you reject the cross of Christ, you're lost. That's all there is to it. 
The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Let me say this, that a man is saved by grace through faith, but a man is also saved by faith. And we need to understand that. Yes, repentance is involved. Repentance is the, is the point where a man changes his mind. He changes his mind about who he is. He changes his mind about who Jesus Christ is. He changes his mind about his sin. His sin becomes exceedingly sinful. And yes, there are elements of the law that are involved in the cross. And, and, uh, and there are elements of prophecy that are involved in the cross. But at the end of the day, it has to be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Um, and if you're not preaching that, then what in the world are you preaching and why are you preaching it? Uh, you know, we, we tend to to emphasize on things or make major out of things that we ought to minor on and minor on things that we ought to major on. Now, I've seen uh, many a street preacher who will do the turn or burn and I'm all for the turn or burn as long as the cross is involved but if the cross isn't involved then what you're just building a good moral theology in someone teaching them to be a good moral person you know, it's it's not, it doesn't make any common practical sense. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know a lot of people who have been around Christendom. I know a lot of people who've grown up in church. I know uh, young men or young women who are going to a church regularly. And then you ask them, you ask them, what is the gospel? And they'll tell you the gospel is the Bible. The gospel is uh, hymns. The gospel is, uh, you know, books of the Bible or something of that sort. Um, very seldom do you hear somebody actually tell you what the gospel is. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So here we see the gospel, and what it is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. Can I tell you this today, that that there is a lot of people who are surprised at, at uh, things like the legalization of homosexual marriage, or they're surprised at the idea that, that you know, you can make abortion, uh, the Supreme Court can, can say that abortion is not justified, it's not a constitutional right, and yet people still want to murder their babies knowing that, that the child is a, a human life, that the child does have feeling, and it's because people have not heard the preaching of the cross. Or if they have heard the preaching of the cross, they hear a half-hearted preaching of the cross. And what I mean by that is, 
is that they will hear a preaching of the cross that is is only from Paul's letters or or uh, a preaching of the cross that says you know let's let's have an easy believism instead of a preaching of the cross that says whosoever will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me see Jesus Christ was the one that started the preaching of the cross in the book of Matthew we find it in chapter 16 in the book of Mark we find it in chapter 8 in the book of John we find it in chapter 12 uh, the preaching of the cross where Christ begins to to preach about the death of self or dying to self and uh, and following Christ uh, let me say this today that that there are a lot of people that have confused the theology of dying to self to the theology of of repenting from all sins plural instead of repenting of self singular or sin singular and uh, there is a difference in that theology there's a huge difference and and I want to say this because it's vitally important there are people out there who believe that they have if they have any sins at all in their life that that's an assurance that they are completely lost and uh, then there are people out there who have an understanding that that the the Bible is talking about the dying to self. When a man dies to self, he uh, he dies to the idea of of uh, making a decision to please self and making a decision to live for self. He is when he is dying to self, he's doing exactly what Christ said to do. Whosoever will come to, come unto me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me um, when a man denies self he is uh, he is living for God choosing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and choosing to be obedient this is the foundational principle of the preaching of the cross well, let me say this that that many people have fallen into an easy believism state where they are preaching a cross that doesn't have the death of self and uh, three times in, in uh, the book of Galatians, Paul talks about uh, being crucified with Christ. Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, has a very good verse. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But the life I, now, I live in the flesh, I now live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then there's another verse in chapter 6 that says that he is crucified unto the world. And there is a verse in chapter 5 that he says he has crucified the affections and lusts uh, with the flesh. And so what we find is that, that Paul had made it his focus to die to self, to crucify self. Um, why, why all this hubbub about, about the preaching of the cross? Because I feel like it's something that is being swept under the rug something that is being put aside you know I, I uh, you probably don't know much about me but I when I was younger I used to work in healthcare, and and I used to take care of disabled adults and and I had one gentleman one time who uh, he was an autistic man and he was about 318 pounds very big man and and he was very highly autistic I mean in the sense that he was uh, um, he had to be watched 24-7 and um, he had a, a thing that he would do where he would loop and he would what he would do before he he started to become self-abusive is that he would 
um, he would go to do something, like for example, he would walk out of his room or something, and then he would walk backwards and trace the exact steps that he had done coming out of his room. And then he would become very self-abusive. And you know, I think the modern day church in its in its desire designed to to try to to live more holy in the reformation movement or modern day reformation movement is is beginning to trace its steps backwards in hopes to find a more holy doctrine. I mean, it used to be when I was a young man, you know, men used to uh, used to get their Bible or their doctrine directly from the Bible. I remember youth groups and, and different groups in churches where they were memorizing whole letters, you know, they would uh, memorize the whole book of James or something and and uh, they would learn the Bible and they would get their doctrine directly from the Bible. And nowadays it seems like people get a systematic theology and they got a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and and uh, they don't memorize the verses anymore they just know the verses they know where they're located and they say well I believe this because of this and I believe this because of this and they can't quote the verses they just basically have a theology that they got off YouTube or they got from somebody else and and they're not memorizing the word and they're not focused on preaching the cross you know modern day preachers are so busy uh, not desiring to give an altar call and not desiring to see souls one that they'll give the gospel they'll have somebody completely broken to where they it looks like they want to repent it looks like they want to get saved and and then they'll turn them aside and say well you know you determine on your own at home you know whether you're going to get saved or not and and uh, they don't count for the idea that that person may walk off and the devil might steal that seed and that person might split hell wide open. Um, they don't count for the idea that that maybe if they don't actually lead that person to Christ and allow that person to express their faith, they may not get saved because they're so afraid of this this idea of an easy believism that they're really not leading people to Christ. You know, they're really not. People are are getting a taste of Christendom in their mouth and then they're leaving it because they're not trusting in the Lord and they're not putting their faith in Christ. They're not confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I know a lot of people that uh, that will not lead somebody in the sinner's prayer because they're so worried about that person falling away and not ever being able to get saved again. I heard of a, I was at a preacher's conference where a, a pastor was talking about how a, a, a potential future convert uh, come up to the front and said, I want to get saved. And the pastor looked at him and said, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. And uh, the the person was shocked and the pastor looked at him and he said you're not ready and um, I'm thinking well are are you the Holy Ghost I mean have you determined whether this person is actually sorrowful for their sin 
Have you determined whether this person has a desire to repent and believe the gospel? Are you the measurement, measuring stick that determines whether somebody is sincere about their salvation or no? You know, or is it the Holy Spirit and the Bible? You know, I was, uh, I've experienced where there's been a lot of times where somebody had questioned their salvation and expressed that to a pastor or a pastor will, will not say anything or not do anything to help them because of the fact that they're, they're concerned that, that the person's a false convert and that they're not going to become a sincere convert if they lead them in the gospel and show them the gospel again. Now this sounds like a lot of repetition, but you need to understand that the modern day church has strayed away from giving the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, you need to be busy about teaching others about Jesus. Yes, we, it looks like, you know, from, from all accounts of things, we're approaching the last days and the rapture of the church can happen at any moment. And, you know, of course, if you're a preterist or something, you think that, you know, we're just going to keep on going until we, we supposedly conquer the world through faith or something and, and then Christ will come back or whatever. I don't know exactly what you believe, but I do know it's heresy. Um, but, but the reality is, is that, you know, Christ can return at any moment. And we're so worried about every other little thing that we're not focused on Christ and Him crucified. We're so fo focused on holding hands with the Catholics and holding hands with the Muslims to stop uh, abortion and to stop uh, uh, homosexual marriage and to stop uh, all these bad things that, that we're not focused on winning people to Christ and showing them the gospel. And because of that, people are dying and going to hell. And the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Uh, the Bible goes on to show us in verse 21 of chapter 1, it says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's the foolishness of preaching the cross that saves men that believe. Let me say this, that, you know, the Greeks, verse 22, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So those with a Jewish mindset stumble at the idea of the preaching of the cross. There's one famous preacher who, who's in Lordship Salvation and uh, pretty much, you know, he's the big author of Lordship Salvation. But, uh, but there's been times where he's renounced the holiness of the blood of Christ. You know, and, and how, do you do, how do you justify that ideology? How do you justify that when you're preaching almost a bloodless gospel? You don't. You can't. And yet people flock around him because he's, he's a do-gooder and he's a, he's a Pharisee and they want to be Pharisaical just like him. And, uh, and it's not right. It's not holy. You know, you ought to mind what you say. If you, if you say something stupid, you ought to get back on the TV and, and call yourself an idiot and say, you know what, I was being foolish. That was not my intention, and uh, and and give yourself a slap, you know, um, you know. The Bible says in verse twenty, because or twenty-five, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to, conf to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Listen, my friend. If you got saved by being holy, then your flesh would be able to glory in God's presence. If you kept your salvation by being holy, then your flesh would be able to glory in the presence of God. But the Bible says in verse 31 here, it says this, it says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So we are to glory in the Lord and not in self. We are to glory in God and what God has done on the cross and not in our own self-righteousness. You know, uh, there are many people who, who seem to think that somehow uh, that their holiness is going to maintain their salvation. And can I say this today, that holiness or righteousness is an evidence of salvation, but it's not the means to it, and it's definitely not going to maintain your salvation. If you have to maintain something, it's the means to it. You know, it, it becomes the means to your salvation if, if you have to have holiness to maintain it. And I'm speaking to, uh, to, speaking to a lot of the lordship crowd on both ends of the aisles, the Armenian who thinks he has to be holy to get it, and the Calvinist who thinks he has to be holy to prove it. Um, you'll never be holy enough. You'll never be clean enough. You'll never be godly enough to have that assurance that you have arrived. Um, you'll never have that. You know, you will never be good enough outside of the blood of Christ. Paul said, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. I'm in agreement with you. You ought to, uh, you ought to have a change to life when you come to Christ. And you ought to be gravitating toward holiness. You ought to be, be becoming more and more holy. But if holiness is the, the obvious evidence of your salvation, that's good. But if holiness is the means to keeping your salvation or the evidence that shows whether you're saved or not, well, that's just that's not true either. You know, I can show you through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture where there are several uh, instances where there are carnal Christians in the Old Testament. You know, you look at Jonah, where Jonah, at the end of the book of Jonah, Jonah is, is angry because the Ninevites are getting saved. Um, well, here's the reality. That's carnal. You look at Solomon, where Solomon is building temples to, uh, to different deities or false deities and, and marrying 700 women, and, and that's carnal. But I, I don't know anybody. I, I think I've known one person in my whole life who thinks that Solomon went to hell. Um, the reality is, is that throughout the scriptures, there is instances where uh, there have been carnal Christians. You look at uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and you look at the reality that while people are partaking of the Lord's Supper, they are dying because they're partaking of it wrong. They're asleep 
That's what the Bible calls them. They're Christian, but they're asleep because God has decided that they need to die for uh, what they're doing because they're not doing right. I said all this to say uh, that we need to get back to preaching the cross. We need to get back to preaching the gospel. We need to be get back to preaching what people need for salvation and what they need for growth. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. And God bless you. You have a good night. And I hope this blesses you. And I hope it doesn't bore you silly. Amen. Bye-bye.